Today's episode is brought to you by Third Love. Third Love is an exciting lingerie brand that uses real women's measurements to create better-fitting bras. Try Third Love's best-selling 24-7 t-shirt bra for free for 30 days. Start the Try Before You Buy program now at thirdlove.com slash sexlives. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm New York Magazine sex columnist Maureen O'Connor. Our usual host David is away this week, but I'm very pleased to have an exciting guest here in the studio with me. Amy Rose Spiegel is the author of Action, a book about sex, which I read and I loved and I have a million questions about. Amy, how would you describe the book? I would say it's part memoir, part advice, all sensuous, and um, it's just a book about sex, love, and everything in between. And sort of just being a millennial who goes hard with her slut phases when she when she's fucking ready for it. <laughs> yeah, it's about like it's about everything from celibacy to safety to assault. Um, yeah, I would recommend it to uh, any boning person. I know that you worked for a long time at Rookie, and there was sort of an element of, like, cool big sister, I think. And at the same time, like, you know, you're telling, like, his, like, crazy stories about your own hookups. Do you think about that in terms of the idea that, you know, you've written advice columns for younger girls before that does that affect the way you write about the really thorny issues, knowing that there are a lot of sort of young women that sort of follow you? I think it does. I think that when I was... At Rookie, I noticed Mm -hmm. that – so it was a website for teenage girls and we wouldn't have coverage of really essential things like abortion or consent or dating older guys or all the stuff that Mm -hmm. I had really been perplexed by when I was a teenager. So I took on a lot of that work just by dint of not having it yet on the site. And I found that the things that I was most afraid to write about Mm -hmm. were often the things that felt – most rewarding and most necessary. So I would say the the genesis of this book was totally within Rookie. Yeah, I mean, one thing I love is that, I mean, literally before page one, in the introduction, this book is being marketed sort of this sex positive, body positive, and right off the bat, you're like, I don't even like the term sex positive, that you just sort of like get down and real. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I fucking What's hate it. What's your beef with that phrase? <laughs> I, I, grew I up hate that phrase too. I, it's so annoying because it makes it feel like sex isn't sex positive intrinsically. And it kind of rankles me to have sex as like, oh, here's the good kind of sex. It's sex positive. Yeah. And it also feels very urbane and just it feels like fucking smart people slang. And I don't like that. (laughs) Like, I'm not about smart people slang for something as universal for everyone as sex is. It's one of those things that I think I'd rather start from the point of assuming everyone is sex positive to the point that I don't feel like I need to say it every single time. But what I love is that you sort of start from that point and then you're like, so assuming we're all relatively cool about this, we're all there, we're none of us are thinking we're going to go to hell just for fucking, right? From there, what is sex and how does it shape you when you're young, when you're finding it, I guess? Right. Maureen, what isn't sex in these days, <laughs> in these digital-ass times with these millennial youths? No, but I mean, it's funny. Sex is, I mean, for especially like when you account for queerness, when you account for like different first encounters, all of it, like I don't believe in maybe an airtight definition of sex as like Mm -hmm. one act. You wrote about the idea of celibacy. You wrote about a phase when you do different types of sex, which I'm so down with. Like I'll go through a phase when it's like 
every single hookup is just dude going down on me and there's no sex, right? Totally. Go through phases. But the phase that blew my mind was at the very end, you write about, I guess, spoiler? I don't know if there's spoiler. There's not a spoiler in a book with essays, but... <laughs> You write about the idea of celibacy being like the ultimate sexual power move or just like ultimate know thyself. Yeah, it's Explain great. that. That was something I'd never thought of. You called it the celebration, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's all about celebrating yourself. It's great. Um, celibacy occurs to me when I find that I'm so obsessed with sex, as many people are, <laughs> yeah. that it can become like a ruminative like fixation where I'm like okay who's the next person I'm gonna bone like I go out I'm immediately scanning the party like who's here what's up yeah and when I find that I find that it's distracting me from the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and what I need to do is take a break and kind of refocus on what's actually going on with me and I know that sex will be there for me when I get back from that but I can find it really instructive to just take that kind of L on it for a while. I mean, do you think of it that like coherently? Are you like today the celibacy begins? It's going to last X Y Z amount of time. There are rules to it, or is it just that you sort of find yourself in that pattern? I never know how long it's going to last, but it's like when I break up with people, I typically wake up that morning and then I'm like, okay, this is over. This is done. Um, so usually I'll become celibate in that kind of like waking up and being like, oh, this is what I need right now, kind mm-hmm. of way. And then it lasts as long as I need it to, or until like how long I is that usually, babe? Two weeks. All right. Yeah, it's, it's about two weeks. It's about two weeks. Girl, then- that's just like in between dates for a lot of people. <laughs> that's like I don't a- know, man. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I am completely celibate for the space of the hour in which we're recording this podcast, everyone. No. Or am I? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're celibate right now. But no, no, you have to. You have to understand that includes masturbation. Is also what I mean. Like, yeah. it's typically, like, just nothing. You just sort of... It's Like, no orgasms, nothing. Like... Why do you think? Is that something, like, why do you... F- how do you know you need that, and why do you think? I think I need it when I've, like, been enjoying a run of people that I'm with, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this is really fun, but then I get way too into that fun, and I'm like, all right, who's next? Like, keep the party going yeah. type thing. I tend to feel really selfish when that because I'm not able to be a good partner to the people that I'm with also mm-hmm. if they become just like one of this coterie <laughs> that's really fucked <laughs> up right yeah so I so I want to step back and make sure that I'm able to be kind to other people as much as I am kind to myself I guarantee given the amount of sex you wrote about having in this book and the time in New York we have definitely fucked some of the same men there is no oh way my we haven't god we so have <laughs> I hope you fucked um, whom I describe in the book as Brafe, which is a fake name for the best fuck of my life. I hope you had sex with him. Who is he? Do you actually know who he is? Yes, I really do. And I can't. Okay, you can tell me later. (laughs) We'll talk after. (laughs) Because I need to. You need to fuck. Whoever the best lay of, like, that's like the the best lay of your life. Not just the best lay in New York City, according to the girl who wrote about, like, the time she got three dicks in a day. The best of life. Seriously? And he's in New York, though, right? He's in New York. He's on the loose. I ran into him the other day, and I couldn't even look at his face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Just tell us which borough. (laughs) He's in Brooklyn, right? Come on. He's he's in Bushwick. (laughs) All all I'll say is this. He, no shit, lives in the Trump Towers. Are you kidding me? The best lay in Manhattan lives in the fucking Trump Towers. What is the cruel joke? If you this tell guy? me it's a Trump, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna lose it. Yes, it's not a, actually a Trump, right? It's actually Donald J. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, I'm officially hanging out in the Trump Tower lobbies from now on. Life is getting so crazy right now. <laughs> That's it. Wait, anyways, God, where were we in that? Oh, no. So we're talking about, so obviously this book talks about like having a lot of sex, being a girl. You talk about, um, you usually hear the concept of cruising with gay men and you're like, I'm a chick who cruises. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm a Don Juan for sure. When did that start for you? It started when I was in high school and earned the nickname for my first girlfriend, Flashy McPanties, for, <laughs> for when we were at parties, just like flashing my panties at people. So You're- probably then. Like, <laughs> um, I've always been a cruiser. I've always been really into picking people up. I think it's yeah. fun. I really enjoy flirting with people. As most, I don't know, like, I really enjoy flirting with people. (laughs) Whenever I have friends that are a little bit like, oh, I don't know, like, should I give this guy a try? Should I not? Is this chick worth trying? That I'm like, isn't it like the fastest window into someone's life if you're a nosy person is to fuck them? Because immediately you're getting so much information. You're seeing their bedroom, which is like so intimate. And like, I always think that, like, how did I become a slut? I think I'm just because it's a real, I'm really nosy and I'm just curious. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you going to be? What is your dick going to be like? Let's find out. That's so fucking real. <laughs> That's so real. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm I'm always trying to like, I don't know a fast track getting to know somebody, but I really want if I like somebody, I want to know I'm all up in their hair. Like, I love you. Like, I'm trying to write their biography. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like in my head, yeah. not actually, because that would just not be nice on a first date. No, probably not. <laughs> no, but it, really flattering. If it's a Trump. <laughs> if it's a Trump, absolutely. Then I'm definitely all up in that hair. I'm like an investigative report type. <laughs> but like, no, I find that when you see somebody naked, when you're having sex with them, you have not secret information about them, but clandestine and that only exists for you to right then. There are times when you have real intimacy with someone, but you don't know them. And that that sort of reversal is, I think, a thing that scares a lot of people. And it can be scary. I happen to find it really interesting. Yeah, I like being scared by it. I mean, I came across a journal entry that I wrote when I was like 13 or 14 the other day. And it was like a list of the things that I really wanted from my life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's like, you know, I want to study like uh, cephalopods, but it's also like I never want. One of the things was like, I never want to fully understand sex. I never want to feel fully comfortable with it. You never want to be done. Yeah, it out. I guess exactly. I, I think at thirteen, I was like, "Do I have a vagina? I'm not sure what's there." Like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I think it was a way of dealing with it because it was something that I hadn't experienced, and it was comforting for me to tell myself then that not knowing was sexy. In yeah, some that way. not knowing was good, and I still feel that not knowing is good. Except with things like consent. Like, you have well, to know yes, about consent. But otherwise, like, <laughs> otherwise, yes, it's true. Like, there are certain things that are only knowable when you fuck somebody. Another thing I fucking loved about this was um, the the portions of the book with practical advice. You talk about the sort of pragmatics of stocking up on condoms. Like, almost this, like, go-to kit of, like, how to do your tram page. I've been trying to make tram page Tram-page. happen. Um, it's not really happening, but I do believe... <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm trying to make tram page happen, there is like a whole section of book where all of a sudden you're just like, and here's your shopping list. Here's how to do it cheap. Here's how to do it fancy. Here's how to get it ready. What do you think is like the essential must-have bedside drawer or closet as a a budding slut or a curious slut? Curious sluts everywhere. Here's what's in mine. Um, 
I, of course, keep condoms. I, of course, keep the Hitachi Magic Wand, a.k.a. the goat. It's yes. just the best vibrator. <laughs> I mean, there's it's unparalleled. Then I keep a smaller vibrator and typically some kind of, like, dildonic device. Mm-hmm. And then from there, restraints and, of course, a huge thing of, like, silicone-based lube. Or water-based, not silicone-based. Silicone yes. and silicone not good together. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's what you need. And then probably you need... After that, during the best run of my last slut phase, I kept a freezer full of miniature take five bars. So, <laughs> Why? Because dude, there's, li- there's literally nothing better than giving somebody the blowjob of their dreams and having them fuck you. And it's just like the best thing in the world. And then you were naked and you like casually like stroll over to your freezer and you're like, do you want a take five bar that has been in my freezer? OK, wait. I'm serious. What's a Take 5 bar? Oh, my God. It's the best candy bar. It's called Take 5 because of the five layers. Peanut butter, caramel, chocolate, I think pretzels and peanuts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, dude. Wow. There's like a brief moment when you're like, Take 5, and I was like, oh, shit, I don't know what a Take 5 is. What is this, like, (laughs) Benoit ball of the future? Oh, my God. What? I've never had a Take 5 bar in my life. It's my favorite sex toy. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate reward. That's it, yeah. (laughs) Um, I remember there was... Uh no, I'm not gonna go there. Anyways, um, wait, where are you not gonna? Oh no, no. I, well, I was gonna go to um, eating while fucking, which is like a weird, strange thing to try to do simultaneously. It's kind of like, um, like what's that? Rubbing your stomach and patting your head at the same time. Um, and there's this one oh, guy yeah. I remember that we were like really super drunk. And we had somehow gone to the bodega and been like, "Can you just give us a bunch of bacon, just like a box of bacon, <laughs> all cooked? We don't want the we don't want the L or the T or the bread. We just want the B." Um, so they gave us a bunch of bacon and we went back and we ended up hooking up. And he was sitting there getting his blowjob and he's like, "I'm sorry, I am such a pig right now, but how the fuck can I not pick up a piece of bacon and eat it while I was blowing him with Taylor Swift playing?" And I was like, "I think this might be a teenage dream moment." Yeah, that's amazing. You got the B and the D. Like, perfect. Yeah. The B, D, T, Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. The B, D, T. Oh, um, my God. Why was Taylor Swift on as you're blowing this dude in New Zealand? What I song? Don't I don't um, – I think it was, like, right after the, like, Welcome to New York, Welcome to New York <laughs> came out. And for whatever reason that I was like, of course I'll give you a blowjob, but you've got to listen to Taylor Swift. And he's like, I think I can maintain an erection through that. Can I? Yep, got it. Let's go. So you both compromised is what you're saying. I don't know why. It just felt like a fun challenge. (laughs) I will say, so one thing I recently discovered, first of all, I, one thing I recommend to all people since like we're in advice giving mode slightly is that if you have an Amazon Prime membership, order just all your sex shit through that because you literally never, if you feel even the slightest amount of discomfort, like lying up with Dwayne Reed or you're like, I don't even want to risk like the weirdo at Dwayne Reed being like, hey, girl, you know, because, like, I fucking hate that. Um, that has never happened to me. That's happened to really? you. Really? Yes. Ew. It's really annoying. Um, I don't know. I might, I might have a sleazy Dwayne Reed. But no, you know why? <laughs> it's because I have the Dwayne Reed on fucking Bedford Avenue. So, like, all the, like, thoughts and fuck boys are there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just absolutely. like, I can't do it right now. I'm sorry. Like, when I'm getting my pimple cream, no. Like, yeah. this is stock up time. But I what I suddenly realized as I was ordering my, like, economy size condoms or like whatever I was doing you know that I was like oh nice they like ship to my house nobody just do it by myself get exactly what I want I also realized that I was like you know what I should just get like a 10 pack of pregnancy tests because it's the kind of thing that when you're stressed about it going to get one is like the most unpleasant thing in the world Mm -hmm. and what has actually happened now is literally anytime a friend of mine is like oh I wonder if hmm 
wait, what happened? Did it? Then I'm like, girl, just pee on a stick. So on Saturday, a friend of mine, she'd had sex. And as we were like hanging or we're on our way to hang, that she's like, the weirdest thing just happened to me. She texts and she's like, a condom came out of me. And I was like, what? Poor baby. Which is like a real phenomenon. It happens. It happens. It totally happens. I've heard multiple people that this happens to. But because of that, that she was like, oh, shit. And she's like, I like she had just gotten her, um, what's the word, IUD out. And like normally you sort of probably can't get pregnant. Like it was like it was Uh like right on the cusp. And she was like, what? Like I fucked like right after that. What's going to happen? And then I was just fucking pee on a stick right now. Did it. Two days later, we're hanging out again. I'm like, pee on another stick because I've got a 10 pack. Yeah. And thus, this is my great advice to all Women, fucking men everywhere, get a million pregnancy. Act like you're one of those ladies trying to get pregnant who buy them, like, in economy size. But you're actually just, like, being neurotic and, like, solving it, you wait, know? Wait, you're actually talking about, like, the ill slut starter kit, which is, like, prenatal vitamins and pregnancy <laughs> tests because prenatal vitamins are great for the skin and hair. I take them. That and pregnancy tests, like, people are going to think I have an agenda like, with that Amazon card together when it could not be further from the truth. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> You're so right, too, because, like, the prenatal shit makes your hair amazing. Yeah, Um, but that's good advice. I think that's really smart because you don't want to, like, go fucking buy it when you're freaking out about it. Yeah, Yeah. and anytime a friend is freaking out, it's, like, the easiest thing in the world that you're, like, it is so fucking easy. It's over. You're done. Yeah, of course. Pee on a stick. Yeah. Cool. Pee on sticks. I support it. (laughs) Before we move on, another word about our sponsor, Third Love. I'm, in fact, wearing a third love bra right now, and I'm not really a person that wears bras usually, so I was, like, dimly nervous about how this would go, but in fact, the third love bras are really comfortable, and the great innovation is that they are made from memory foam, which I don't know why we weren't always using astronaut technology on our tits, but third love does that. It's 24-7 t-shirt bra is super comfortable smoothing, invisible under your outfits, and the memory foam cup means that it's really going to fit your shape. Their love is also great because their sizes go from A to F, and they have half cup sizes in between, which is also another miraculous innovation. Memory foam boobs, let's do it. Third Love stands behind the 24 t-shirt bra so much that they're willing to let you try this bra for free for 30 days. Go to thirdlove.com slash sexlives. All you have to do is pay for shipping. You can take the tags off. You can wear it. You can wash it, boob sweat it, whatever you want. If you like it, you keep it and they'll charge you. And if you don't, you send it back. And if you don't know your size, a friendly online fit specialist will help you find your perfect fit. Go to thirdlove.com slash sexlives to get started. So amazingly, you had this amazing joke in your book about, what was it, Benoit balls with the faces of the founding fathers on them. I don't remember why this came up. (laughs) However, which founding father would you fuck? Oh, my God. Which founding father wouldn't I fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Who do you think would be the best lay? I feel like George Washington, like, not, like. No, he had the wood Oh, my God. Abraham Lincoln. He's like, pretty, well, he's not a founding father, is he? But I still I fuck him anyways, right? Because No, he's not like one of like the all, main yeah. like, 1774 cats. But all those yeah. like gay rumors suggest to me that maybe he's down to just like, maybe he's a little bi-curious. Maybe there's a little fun with Abe Lincoln. I feel that Dolly Madison looks very fulfilled in all the portraits of her. And thus, James Madison was probably a decent <laughs> lay. Like, Dolly had it up. She was, he was her, he was the second husband. So she like already had like been around a little bit. She right. was, she knew what was up. So she knew what she wanted. Yeah. Wait, I love that you're basing it on Dolly. 
like yeah. about her reaction you're like okay cool oh yeah like, she was all like, like that's really sweet a blushing bride she looked great yeah she in all did. her portraits <laughs> absolutely um if you could fuck any person from history man woman whatever who do you choose oh, do you have any that you want yes it would have to i mean it's so boring to say this but it would have to be prince and then it would have uh, to be Sappho. Don't you think it would have to be yes. Prince and or Sappho? You're it's right. So it's Prince. To say Prince Maybe it's, Sappho. I don't. I have. I have less strong feelings about that because I'm not convinced that she was actually a good lay. Okay. She just, was revolutionary and her poetry is beautiful, but she was like in love with one woman and like maybe I'm not that woman for her. You know. You know who I bet would get really freaky deaky is Virginia Woolf. Mm, interesting. Yeah, because she was all about inventing new modes of being in the world and noticing <laughs> new things surrounding. And I feel like she's one of those people who would let you, like, smoke and put an ashtray on her stomach while she's eating you out. Like, uh, like I think I think that's Virginia Woolf. Human props are the best. Okay, <laughs> characters in fiction you want to fuck. Characters in fiction I want to bone. Let me see. Let me see. I would probably want to bone Cal Trask from East of Eden as like a pity fuck, like the Steinbeck. Which one is which one is that character? He's like the um the Cain of the book, like Cain. Oh and Abel. right. So he's like really angry and like really wants to like fulfill all these people in his life, and he's really eager to please. But doesn't but the like, book also have like the woman who was like the sex freak madam who like their used mom. her powers to control everyone? I want to fuck her, not him. No, she was like scary, scary. Like she. Yeah, but I'm not gonna marry her. I'm just gonna fuck her. Dude, no, she was not <laughs> nice to her female lover. She was not nice. <laughs> I get it. Like, I think that's super hot. But, like, I don't know. I'm a little bit of a, of a wimp. <laughs> what about you? Who would you say? Um, Vronsky from Anna Karenina. Any man that was, like, such a good lay that, like, he disrupted her life and everything that you're like, something's got to be really, really good there. That, like, there's a reason she's going to the Trump Towers, right? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I rewatched the Kieran Knightley Anna Karenina recently. Um, and all of a sudden I realized that Anna Karenina is the same basic – plot line as the entire Sex in the City series because it's essentially you meet the wrong man at the wrong time uh-huh. and you're indecisive and your indecision lasts for you know a space of however long years well years for both of them actually and because you're indecisive and in love with a shithead your life is destroyed because mm. basically like I, I see Sex in the City as like an epic tragedy of like Carrie Bradshaw's life being destroyed Oh my god, it's so <laughs> It's really rough. dark, honestly. I agree. And then I'm like, oh my god, this is exactly the same thing. Hmm. Right. And you watch her just capitulate to the will of like this awful dude kind of over yeah. and over and over and then permanently and you're like, wait. He was the Vronsky. Yeah. Except like for whatever reason we decided to like send her to like party in Dubai and like Sex in the City Two or I don't know, whatever the movie franchise ended. But <laughs> I mean I Anna think Karenina. I think it's amazing that in saying you want to fuck Vronsky, like that you essentially want that. You're like I know, right? Like well, I never called the Trump Tower dude ever again after that first time I stopped answering his text messages. Yeah. All of it, literally because I was like, Because you knew it was too, too dangerous. Good. Like I don't wanna deal with it. Straight up, I never spoke to him again. I dodged him at the party last week. Oh like, my gosh! Yeah, I don't talk to him. <laughs> well, you're also monogamous now with your boyfriend. I am. Right? You, the... So you write about that in the book, sort of like going from a slut phase and then when you went down to monogamy. I mean, in some ways, monogamy is harder than celibacy, right? So much harder. Um, so I became monogamous after a long polyamorous stint. I had been in long term. Um, non-monogamous relationships I had also been in short-term ones and whatever Mm -hmm. but I knew that monogamy I 
I cheated a lot when I was monogamous, yeah. and I didn't really want to do that. It wasn't supernatural for you. Right. And that, and so being non-monogamous didn't preclude any kind of real connection or love between my partners and I. It was just like, I don't know. It was just something I didn't want to do. But then when I met my current boyfriend, I was really frank about this with him. And he was mm. like, okay. And then on date like number three, he was like, you're my like he referred to me offhandedly as his girlfriend and I was like girlfriend what yeah. <laughs> like I we don't it's not and then he was like I'll wait like I'll wait we'll see wow yeah and I had not at all promised him I would like stop seeing the other person or like stop poking up with people I decided of my own accord maybe like three months in mm-hmm. because he was just so I could see also that it was hurting him and I didn't want to hurt him yeah and also I just didn't want to hook up with other people anymore uh-huh. I just re- when when sex and love became so bound up in that way mm-hmm. yeah I can't picture myself with somebody else in this particular relationship that's so interesting it is true I think there's something about whether sex is tied to love or not yeah and it now it is for you. So now, so you, you write about this boyfriend. He's still your boyfriend, right? Yeah. Um, what has it been like for him, this book coming out? How does he feel? Oh, my gosh. This one, let me tell you, he has been the best. I can't imagine reading about or hearing about other people's sexual partners if you're in love with that person mm-hmm. to the degree that he has. And he's so easy and just like, it's your work. It's your life. You care about it. And he just, you know, squeezes my hand before readings and mm-hmm. makes sure that I have space to write and is just a wonderful dude. While I was writing it, we were first getting together. And I think that part was harder on him because he wasn't used to being with, you know, this queer girl who likes to make out with the world and world entire <laughs> and like that kind of thing. But since he's just been, like, the ultimate best about it in a way that I found really touching. Do you think it's that there's something, like, stressful about it, but he sort of pushes through because he loves you? Or do you think there's just sort of he's just one of those people without that, like, jealousy bone or whatever whatever it is that makes people feel nervous? I can't presume to say how he feels. I just right. know that in his actions he is incredibly supportive and kind to me and to my work. Mm-hmm. And we try to be really frank and honest with each other about it and we're both crazy jealous people really yeah we are Wait, this we is are amazing. jealous like we're playing the piano like we are in it like we <laughs> get jealous like i'm talking i'm jealous over instagram shit that doesn't exist you know what i mean like i'm well, that guy how can you be a jealous person who also can stand having so many like simultaneous boyfriends and girlfriends my assumption was always sort of that I was like, well, I don't let, you know, if you don't really have like the jealousy bone in you, it's like easier to do that. So was this just the, your libido surpasses your jealousy or? No, non-monogamy was a way to deal with the jealousy. Oh. It was like, in in part, like in part, it's because I wanted to hook up with all different people and do that. And because that's also what makes the most sense to me in most relationships. Uh-huh. But it was also like. When I was in monogamous relationships, not only would I cheat, but I would get really fucking hyper jealous. Uh-huh. And when that jealousy became negated by the fact that, oh, it's okay, these are the terms, uh-huh. it was cool. It was like, if I know that this is what our arrangement is, there's not really much to get jealous of. My mind goes crazy when I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Uh-huh. What the fuck could they possibly be doing? Are they lying to me, et cetera? But it's when, almost like it's like the known unknown to you. Am I am I quoting Dick Cheney maybe? Right 
<laughs> Donald Rumsfeld. I'm quoting Donald Rumsfeld right now. But it's Perfect. the known unknown doesn't bother you as much as the pure unknown, it sounds like. Yes. Wow, that's really interesting. It helped so much. Would you still feel jealous of whoever these, like, other hookups of, you know, like your boyfriends, other girlfriends or whatever? Well, my my past boyfriends that I was non-monogamous with, we never had other partners. Mm-hmm. We would, like, other, I mean, like, primary partners, yeah. other boyfriends, other girlfriends. We would have people that we'd fuck every now and again yeah. or, like, different people, you know. But you wouldn't feel jealous of, like, those girls. No. Often I would have sex with them also. Like, <laughs> it just became, wow, that's so interesting. I love great. that. It was great. Like, we... One ex-boyfriend and I met the prettiest girl in Arkansas together, uh-huh. and I brought her home, and uh-huh. we all slept together. And then I left him there. He was um, working there at the time. And they continued fucking for, like, the whole month. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, and you're just – Yeah. It's also that feeling of kind of, like, you're sharing in it somehow. Yeah. You know, that even – you know, I know this one couple that um, he just has – more sexual energy than she does currently at least I'm sure it's like fluctuates over time but the rule is that um, he only gets with women who are okay being photographed and so he takes pictures so he can show her so like it's like their thing is that he can have a conquest but then he like will tell her and show her you know holy shit does she get off on that I'm not sure. Is she like a female cuckold? Like, what is the deal? I think she just likes knowing and she likes seeing and she likes, I mean, there's something like, like, oh yeah, all the girls are hitting on my boyfriend, you know, that like feels good sometimes, you know? So I'm not sure if it's like a cuckoldy type thing or if it's just her being like, all right, babe, that's what you're doing. Fuck yeah. Holy shit. But I don't know. Maybe it's the known unknown, right? Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Like, I don't know. I can't. I never wanted details. So that's blowing my mind. I think that's <laughs> it's really the opposite advanced. of you then, right? It's, it's like I just details. Well, it's just details, nothing yeah, else. That's really cool. Before we go, we've got a few voicemails to listen to. Every week, we invite you to call in at 646-494-3590 with responses to topics from the previous week's episodes this week or just whatever pervy confessions, questions, or funny jokes you want to tell us. So um, today, to listen, I'm going to listen to this one with Amy, and this week it's another provocative response from our show about the female orgasm. Hi, thanks. Caught the last episode. Female orgasm, that's not a real thing, is it? Thanks so much. I can't believe this guy <laughs> listens to the podcast. When I said... Not for you, it's not homie. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, if you don't boy. believe in unicorns, of course they don't exist. Also, like, what the fuck? Like, I, I'm sorry for whatever is going on. I mean, not to assume this guy is straight, but like, whoa. Yeah, no, female orgasms are real, dude. Um, Do we justify that? I Do just we, like, realized that... Remember at the beginning when I was like, I always sort of assume a point of sex positivity and assume just like go for it. And I'm actually really shocked and amazed that this man listens to our podcast. I mean, you are a woman hosting this sex podcast ostensibly yes. from a place of fucking authority and knowledge. And- so, kind sir, I'm so glad that you are listening to this podcast because I can tell you women do have orgasms. It is real. Um Oh my god, see this is this is it. You can literally be Maureen and have this be like your job and still some fucking who is it calls in and is like, oh it's fake. 
And we've got one more voicemail, this one from a caller in response to one of our episodes where we discussed foreplay. Um, I have a really bad gag reflex. And anytime I try to give head, I tend to almost vomit or vomit, no matter how much I practice or even just trying to appease the guy no matter what, I vomit. Is it um, expected of me to give head to the guy that I am going to be with? Uh, I don't expect them to go down on me if I'm not going to be reciprocating, but in today's relationships, is that something that is expected of me? Thanks. Bye. Well, what do you think, Amy? I feel like to to enter into a relationship with the idea of what's expected, I f- that rarely works regardless of what it is that you're expecting or what you feel is expected of you. Um, I think that if you want to perform oral on some guy without having your gag reflex activated and yuking on a dick mm-hmm. you can do what my best friend who had tmj in college did which was mostly make it a hand job and then lick exactly <laughs> like, i was gonna tell her that too yeah what do you think um well i think there's so there's two components to this question the really easy mechanical question is that right. the secret of a blowjob and of hand jobs is that like they're kind of just the same thing because you're using your spit to make it wet you're kind of like using your hand you're you know use the top of your mouth on however doesn't activate your gag reflex yeah like that actually is a blowjob um there's also (laughs) so i I have this joke with my friends that we call it um the lazy girl blowjob which is when you just lie there with your mouth open you go you can just like jack off into it he's going (laughs) with your tongue and like i mean like you can do anything so i think but the most important thing about this and i think the realization that you can do anything is that you don't have to do anything either, right? If you don't want to have blowjobs in your relationship, then just don't. And if it comes up and if you talk about it, then, you know, you can say that's a thing I don't like doing. And I think the beauty of relationships and of being able to be polyamorous or to be able to be queer, to be able to do whatever you want, is that, like, your love life is just your love life. You can do anything. You can do nothing. And it's just yours. You can explore sex without ever literally being – touching the body of another person, but you can still have your sexuality, you know? And so I think that you should just never feel like I must do X, Y, Z, but rather there are things that you can do. And if there are things you want to try, you can hopefully be with a partner who you feel comfortable enough to say, you know, I don't usually do this. Uh, It makes me kind of gag. Can you help me out here? Like maybe can you help me with the hand thing? Or like I'm tired. Can I just do a little bit of this? Or just, hey, let's not. That's the thing I don't like. Right. I mean, this is a person who physically can't do this thing. So, no, no one's going to expect you to do something that you physically can't do. And if they do, like... Then he's a fucking jackass. Yeah, then that's not the person for you. Yeah. I feel like with the, you know, we're not... It sounds like this caller isn't talking about, like, casual relationships, but, Mm -hmm. like, somebody that she's seeing. You have to trust somebody that you're seeing and vice versa enough to find a way around this one thing that, by the way wouldn't be like a relationship ending thing, I don't think, in a good relationship. Yeah. I think the other thing is that it's so hard to bring up sex, especially like I know, I mean, okay, 
obviously I am not troubled by being like, let's talk about blowjobs. But it is like I, I know obviously that like it's really hard. And the one thing that is sort of a funny, silly cheat, I think, is like you watch like a sexy movie and then you get to talk. You know, like you, there are certain ways to sort of bring things up and talk about them. Um, and like if you really, really want to talk about oral sex but you just don't – you just literally have no idea how to bring it up, just like think of some stupid movie to watch. Think, you know, whatever that like gives you your in – um, be like, I heard the funniest story on this podcast <laughs> and this girl is such a fucking raging slut. But, you know, when I thought about it, here's how I feel about blowjobs. Or wait, honestly, you can have that conversation naked because, you know, what? once you're naked, like people are really nice because they have to be because they're naked. Really? <laughs> I, I am so I really don't feel like <gasps> like sex talks should happen like directly they, before and after. No, okay, that's like, true. That was bad advice, maybe. No, 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 no. I, like, I'm curious, because, like, sometimes, uh, like, after sex, we can talk about something, but I can, I, okay, I can talk to a partner about something that I'm feeling as long as it's not critical of them. Yes. I think is, like, the differentiation, maybe. I think that when you're, um, well, I think the before sex or, like, the, like, lead up, there's sort of room for sort of, like, you know what would be kind of crazy? Like hot. X, yeah. Y, Z, right? And then if someone's like, mm, I kind of don't want to, it's really easy to then just switch to, and now I'm touching your balls. You yeah, know, like, totally, totally, <laughs> you can totally. erase it and move, like, <laughs> you can change the subject during sex, I think. Like, I can change the conversation topic, fat, like the metaphorical conversation topic during sex so much faster than in real life, right? Because you just, like, move your hand somewhere where, like, you don't have to think that hard. Right. Um, and then after sex, I think there's some space for some sort of post-coital. Like, I wouldn't say never, ever. I wouldn't critique someone in that moment. But that's a really good moment to be like, hey, I really liked that. Um you know, like, I like that instead. Yeah, totally. I think that there's a moment to sort of have those discussions sort of around that. Totally. Um, and that sort of gets the door open that, hey, we've talked about, like, where I like your penis before. Hey, remember yesterday we were talking about this? Today, now I want to talk about this other component. And that's it for Sex Lives this week. A reminder that you can always reach us at 646-494-3590. This week, I would absolutely love to hear if you are the man in Trump Tower and you think we're talking about you, give us a call. I want to know where the best lay in New York City is. And I want to know, is the male orgasm a myth? Does the male orgasm exist? I'm just not sure. So call us, 646-494-3590. Sex Lives is produced by Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. See you next week. Uh, David will be back then. Thanks for listening. 